I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Live here on a Monday night. Uh, it is September 11th, 2023. A lot to talk about here on a Monday night. Uh, I don't know what the heck's going on in my brain today, but... Obviously, Jim Harbaugh, Monday press conference to address. Uh, we have to talk about Sharon Moore, a couple players that we got as well. Uh, hard to believe, fellas, that we are already in week three of the non-conference slate. And this time next week, we'll be talking about Big Ten play. So, uh, Chris Ballas, Clayton Safey, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks. And you know what's amazing is that the Rutgers game is going to make it feel like they're playing Ohio State, right, after these three. I think they're a 40, 40 and a half point favorite, if I'm not mistaken, at this point, Clay. Uh, Clay would know because he's got Clay's plays going on now on the uh, on the website. So uh, you get the what's what's the app you guys use to bet? No free ads. <laughs> Whoever offers it? us the best promo. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, no so, free ads here. Okay, well there you have it. So uh, regardless, um, yeah, it's you know what? Let's get by this week. It feels like uh, almost like an NFL preseason when you play these teams, and it kind of stinks. But you know what? It's football, so I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, very excited. Lefty's coming back into town with his Bowling Green program. A lot of a lot of respect between both programs. I mean, Scott Leffler's basically his entire press conference today was about Michigan, his memories, and how much respect he has for Jim Harbaugh and the way things you know Michigan's doing things. He said this is as talented of a team as he's ever seen at Michigan. Obviously, he was around in 1997. So uh, excited for that. Excited for night game, light show at the big house. They were flashing the lights last week, but we will see them in action, full go in, in front of uh, the crowd. And night game means extra tailgate time. So it's going to be great. The interesting part about it is that, you know, Scott Leffler actually took Jim Harbaugh's job as yeah. quarterback's coach. So Jim Harbaugh had some nice things to say about him. And uh, but but, you know, it was Jim Harbaugh versus Scott Luffler for that quarterback coaching job in the early 2000s for Lloyd Carr. And it was Scott Luffler, believe it or not. So mm -hmm. maybe Jim, maybe Jim rolls up 70 on him. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Jim will be at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's going to be, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, well, Jim, also uh, curious as to what the spread will be, because we've heard uh, two fast food refer uh, references now. Uh, it was apparently Panera Bread week one. So we gave. Kelly Moore, all the praise and love in the world. It's still praise for Panera Bread, but uh, apparently not the Kelly Moore homemade sandwich. And then he went with to, to McDonald's with his kids last week at halftime of the game. So also uh, got some grass cutting in uh, before and after the game. So sort of following John U. Bacon's advice there. But a lot to talk about from the Monday press conference with Jim Harbaugh, with Sharon Moore, apparently an offensive line. Uh, the Michigan method will not move forward there. Apparently they have their five starters. Also want to talk about the backup quarterback situation, what Jim Harbaugh had to say about the run game and more. But before we get into that, I want to talk about our sponsors uh, tonight, do a little bit of housekeeping on our Monday night podcast. Uh, and it starts with our friends over at bird dogs, bird dogs make stretch khaki shorts that are designed to flit, uh, fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. I'm wearing my bird dogs right now. I can't say they 
make me look sculpted. That's more of a physical thing than anything else, but uh, they are comfortable. I love these shorts. Uh, they also sent a pair of joggers as well. Uh, they're phenomenal. Uh, they do the exact same thing as Lululemon does, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses an anti-stink and sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So, yeah, uh, sign up with our friends over at Bird Dogs. Head to birddogs.com slash wolverine uh, or use the promo code wolverine for a free hydro flask-style tumbler with your order. Again, fellas, I know. Uh, I think all of us have had the champ- uh, the samples shipped out of those. But your personal thoughts on our friends there? Love them. Um, favorite shorts that I wear. Uh, I, I, very honestly, wear them to golf. I uh, love the pants too. Great fit. So it's been a great addition to my wardrobe. Yeah, I was wearing them all summer after they gave them to us. So love bird dogs. All right, head on over to birddogs.com slash Wolverine or use the promo code Wolverine for your free hydro flask style tumbler with a purchase over at the website. You're not going to want to take these things off. Uh, you know, I'm running through, and through the laundry all the time. I love these things. Uh, it's become a big part of the wardrobe here at the broom house. So uh, birddogs.com slash Wolverine or promo code Wolverine. All right, guys, uh, as we head into week three of the non-conference, this will be the last week of Jim Harbaugh's three-game suspension. Sharon Moore, of course, leading the way this week uh, as the team's interim head coach. We heard from both of those guys here on Monday uh, at Schembechler Hall at Ann Arbor. And I think the most interesting thing to glean out of it is that uh, more or less both guys confirmed that you know there was a lot of talk coming into the year about the Michigan method and rotating guys at tackle and all sorts of things like that. But uh, it does. It hasn't happened yet on the offensive line, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen on the offensive line. Carson Barnhart at left tackle, your guards uh, Trevor Keegan and Zach Center, Drake Nugent at center, and Miles Hinton at right tackle appears to be the starting five they're moving forward with. So, fellas, I mean, I guess that's where we start tonight. Thoughts on that group of five, and I guess after a second watch or a third watch, depending on you know who you are, how many times you've gotten to the game, what have you seen from this offensive line and this starting five? to suggest that this might be sustainable moving forward. Yeah, I mean, given what <clears throat> they haven't accomplished in the run game in the first two weeks, and it's not just their fault. They talked about the wide receivers. They've talked about tight ends who actually blocked well on Saturday, uh, according to them. And, um, you know, some of the other guys not doing their jobs, running backs not hitting the holes. Uh, it really is kind of interesting. It must mean that those guys have really separated and that they are the guys behind them aren't getting the job done because there really is – a lot of room for improvement and and they've acknowledged as much. So I'll be very interested to see how they play this week, but really against Rutgers, you know, is it part of it? You know, Trevor Keegan's struggled at times. I don't know what his PFF grade was clay. You can tell me about that, but you know, watching his film with some people who, who know, they say he's not as strong as he was last year in some areas. So will he pick it up when the competition gets better? Is this just a case of these guys playing down to the level of their competition? I don't know. So, but there is certainly room for improvement because there are going to be teams that are going to try probably to play Michigan straight up in the run game. And UNLV did that at times with some success. Jim Harbaugh said it right. He said way too many negative plays or uh, plays, not negative plays, but plays that went for zero to three and non-explosives or whatever he called them. And uh, they need to be better in that respect. So they had way too much talent to be 
this average uh, after two games against some cream puffs. Yeah, inefficient run plays uh, is how he labeled it. And and there have been too many of those. Some of it's on the running back. Some of it's been on the offensive linemen. Some of it's been on the wide receivers. Jim Harbaugh pointed them out today. He said they have to be better in in blocking as well. Uh, I'm not overly surprised that that this is the starting five they're going to go with going forward. I thought last week would have been the week where you do it. Uh, But when you think of this Michigan method, how they've described it, where it's basically – what they did at quarterback last year with Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy. I don't think they've done it at a single position yet this year. Uh, edge, you know, same two guys started. Obviously it's just going to be a heavy rotation there. Anyway, all the offensive line spots corner, you've been banged up. So, you know, guys thrust in, maybe that would have been the one, but they kind of have things set. It seems like, especially when guys are healthy, uh, miles Hinton would have been the one that I would have thought. Maybe you give Trent a Jones a look last week. I thought miles Hinton was a little bit better. This week, especially pass protection, he did have the one where he got you know, Blake Corum. It was either a TFL or or no gain on like an outside zone play to the run, uh, right, and he just totally gets chucked by his guy, and that can't happen against UNLV. Maybe it could happen in the Pac-12, um, or maybe you know you can block like that in the Pac-12. But I think even Rutgers, like these guys, are going to be physical come the Big Ten season. So they got stuff to clean up. Sharon Moore was only back for his first game of the year, so it should improve going forward. And we've seen a lot of these guys play a lot of football here. So once they get that chemistry going, I think it'll improve. But it is a little bit odd that, that they haven't been able to fare a little bit better, especially in the run game. I guess right now my biggest question would be, and the fact, the fact that a guy like Trent A. Jones, like we've seen him actually you know, play a little bit as that sixth offensive right. lineman. It seems like he might be that first guy off the bench right now. But uh, you know, we saw him. It, it was due to injury, but you know, kind of phased out of the lineup at the end of last season. So I guess the fact that he's not being rotated in as much doesn't surprise me. The one that surprises me is Ladarius Henderson. I mean, the buzz on him coming into this year was that Michigan brought him in with the the goal in mind that he was your opening day left tackle. And I know there was some academic stuff, uh, not, not academic stuff like in a bad way, just had some work to finish up at his old school, uh, but didn't get to really per, uh, practice or participate with the team until uh, fall camp. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he hasn't really been out there is, I don't know if concerning is the word, but it's, it's odd to me. And I, maybe that just speaks to how well Carson Barnhart has played as well, but uh, weird that we haven't really had a chance to see him out there. Yeah, it is. And, but again, it's competition and that's why, you know what we all assumed, right? Okay. Well, Carson Barnhart can't play left tackle. So they need to get somebody in there who can, and they go out and get Ladarius, who's been a great teammate, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Hasn't raised a stink about it or anything else. But Carson Barnhart has played well enough to solidify that job. And it really started early in camp when Jim Harbaugh said that nobody's been playing better than Carson Barnhart. So that was our first clue that, hey, you know what, Carson Barnhart's that guy. He's playing better than expected. So um, we'll see how he fares against better edges and if they're going to have to maybe give him some help over there. But as as of now, he's doing okay, and those those ends uh, for ECU were pretty good football players. So uh, you hope to see Carson uh, continue to play well. Would love to see more opportunities for Ladarius, but you know what? Like you said, they're going to play those those top five guys, and as of now, it is who it is. Yeah, I said it coming out of the spring game when we saw Carson Barnhart over there 
at left tackle that, yeah, Ladarius Henderson's coming in in the summer, but he's going to have to win that job. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to Carson Barnhart. He does look better than he was uh, a year ago, just the way he's moving, his athleticism. Uh, I think there's a noticeable difference. So give him credit, a veteran that was like, hey, I welcome the competition, but I'm going to keep this job or really take another job on the left side. So there's that. Uh, there was also the picture Michigan posted, I think, on the first day of fall camp of Ladarius Henderson kind of in a pass set. And I remember texting it to my brother, and I was like, "Man, I, I hope he's a, I hope he's a tackle. You know, he doesn't doesn't look that much like a tackle." And then I kind of been thinking the same thing the first couple games when he's been out there late in the third quarter, early or you know for all of the fourth quarter as well, and some of those limited snaps with the with the reserves. He played guard most of his career, so in hindsight, again, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. It's a, it's not that surprising that Carson Barnhart has hung on there. Um, but, yeah, just interested to see. I mean, here's the thing, though. Teams go through the year and a guy will get banged up or a guy won't play that well. You can still move a guy in the starting lineup. You could put a guy in in the second quarter, uh, you know, and, and see what he has. So it's, it's a uh, moving, living organism, as Sharon Moore said, the, the depth chart. So I think, you know, if, if guys aren't playing well, this is not, you know, set in stone. Yeah, and, and like I said, over the the course of a season, the rigors of a season, guys are going to get banged up. I think at the time that they brought him in, because if I remember correctly, wasn't it before the new year or wasn't slightly before the college? Yeah, it was like mid-December. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like part of it too is that, okay, in an ideal world, he's coming in, he's competing for that left tackle job, but, you know, Trevor Ke- maybe Trevor Keegan leaves, maybe Zach Sinter leaves, exactly. and we just think that this guy, if that's what happens, has a chance to be in our top five, and as it turns out, everyone's back. So that could be part of it too. Something to watch moving forward. And again, not so sure that, um, you know, with more games and more film, uh, that's ultimately going to be what determines who stays on the field or not. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Speaking of positions where we thought the Michigan method would take place, it has happened at backup quarterback. Now we came out of fall camp thinking that Davis Warren had kind of pulled away in that battle, the two man battle that we thought it was maybe a third man in the mix with, Alex Orgy in there, but uh, it was mostly between Davis Warren and Jack Tuttle and uh, haven't seen the backups a ton, uh, but obviously the fourth quarters of these first two games haven't really gone well, have actually kind of been a disaster. If we're not mincing words here, uh, Davis Warren has gotten in there. He's been 0 for 3 with an interception. Uh, Jaden Denegal got out there on Saturday. I was 1 for 1 for 35 yards, mostly just handing the ball off. And then Jack Tuttle unfortunately gets hurt after a rush for 14 yards but th- this is not this is not settled yet and to a certain extent I kind of get the vibe the coaching staff is a little surprised by that but this is something that's going into week three and now we're you know we're, there was the talk on Monday from Jim Harbaugh where it was actually supposed to be Jaden Denegal that got into the game first uh, or, or after Jack Tuttle uh, in this game on Saturday and there was a mix-up there with Mike Hart but basically they're saying that Saturday's backup quarterback derby, whatever that takes place, if it takes place, you never know what happens, will be Jaden Denegal and Alex Orgy. So do we have, I mean, I, I have some concerns about QB2 regardless of, of who's there because of the drop-off from J.J. McCarthy, but this is something worth keeping an eye on because usually it's a battle between two guys. This is a battle between four guys right now, and that's that's kind of sketchy heading into conference play. 
Yeah, that's my main concern, basically, is keeping J.J. McCarthy healthy. And, you know, it's he's by far one of the he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country and the drop off is significant. So Davis Warren, we were hopeful. You know, we'd heard great things about him the last couple of years. All the coaches saying, you know, he really slings it. But come game time, man, he just hasn't ready, been ready. And you can't blame the offensive line. You can't blame anything else. He just looks shaky. So, uh, yeah. And so when Jerome Moore was talking today about, hey, I want J.J. McCarthy to get down when he's running. He says well, he's a hockey player and he doesn't – he wants says, coach, I want contact. You have to say, no, no, you need to get down, right? Or we're going to punish you and play your backup. No, not really. But you know what? He's got to get down. He's got to stay healthy because – there's just uh, that it could be a season under for the team, not just for a kid, if something were to happen to him. So uh, need him to start taking that into account and, and be a little smarter there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he lowered his shoulder on that one that he kept on the zone read. Uh, the quarterback draw, you know, takes a hit. And then he he, he took a couple hits mid late or uh, yeah, mid late third quarter. And even the, the TV broadcast guys were saying, oh, you once you see that, if you're Mike Hart, you may pull him out, and maybe that kind of sketched out Mike Hart. Mike Hart, by the way, made the mistake of putting in Davis Warren. So once we learned that today, my first thought is, okay, Davis Warren was probably thinking, I'm not playing today because mm-hmm. it was the order was supposed to go uh, Jack Tuttle, Jaden Denegal, I don't, and maybe Alex Orgy. He said so. Davis Warren, there's no way that was there was going to be time for him to get in the game. So I do take, I'll, I'll take, um, you know, it still was a terrible throw. I mean, you know, he's trying to fit that into Carmelo English. There's you know, a, a guy just dropping in zone coverage there. Uh, you can't do it, but maybe he thought he wasn't going in. So I'll, I'll, you know, take a little bit of the blame off of him there. But yeah, I mean, the fact that one guy hasn't separated um, is is not the best thing in the world. Now, at the same time, maybe they're all decent, um, you know, from what they've seen in practice. Jack Tuttle started games in the Big Ten. So I was actually excited to see him out there. It's too bad he got hurt and sounds like he's okay, but yeah, well, I guess we'll kind of see where it goes. You got to keep JJ McCarthy healthy, though. Yeah, and Harbaugh said, you know, more or less said, like we have to see what we have on these two guys, uh, Jaden Denegal, Alex Orgy, this weekend. Because obviously, on one hand, we don't, we still don't know if Alex Orgy is a quarterback long term. Uh, Jane Denegal is is still kind of mostly an unknown, um, and this is really their last chance to sort of experiment with that. Because we've talked about this before, and I won't linger on it too much. You're trying to see right now if there's a chance, even a sliver of a chance, that if J.J. leaves after this year, is his successor on the roster right now? And I don't know that it is. My gut says it's not, but this is your last chance to kind of get those guys out there and see what they can do. And obviously they'll have, you know, a lot of practice reps, a lot of scout team reps coming up throughout the course of this season. But, you know, know, if it becomes a, a case where, Davis Warren's been in this program for a few years. Uh, Jack Tuttle has played college football for 100 years at this point. If it comes down to it, all things being equal, getting those guys equity, you know, building equity in the future is, I think, probably, you know, not, you know, they're going to take things one week at a time, one game at a time. But I have to think that's also kind of in the back of their minds, too. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you know what? When you when you think about backup quarterbacks too, and you think about starting quarterbacks in the future, um, is Davis Warren a guy that uh, is going to lead you to a championship? I guess is the way that you're looking at it with this program now, isn't it? And um, true freshman, you know what? You have concerns anytime, unless it's even if it's a special true freshman. Look at JJ McCarthy coming in last year or two years ago, rather, and uh, playing 
behind Cade McNamara and had a role, but he wasn't ready to play right off the bat. And you can see the difference between J.J. McCarthy now and J.J. McCarthy then. So you've got the portal as well. Uh, There is no question and no doubt in speaking to people that Michigan will most likely explore the portal next year um, for another quarterback uh, unless – unless J.J. McCarthy were to come back some for some reason, somehow. And, uh, you know, never say never. Uh, he, right now he's playing at a first-round level, right? We've seen, I think, some way-too-early projections having him as a first-round pick. But with uh, beyond that, there are going to be guys looking to move in, into a situation where they can play with a lot of talent. And regardless of what some of the naysayers on the fort tell you or other message boards, there's a lot of talent returning to this team next year. If you look at the guys coming back on the defensive line and the secondary on the offensive line, uh, skill position players, and you're going to do the one more year fund. So uh, I think that's direct the direction they'll go. And I think that's the direction they need to go. Yeah. And you got to trust this staff too, but I mean, you, you go to the portal and it, right now it looks like JJ is going to be in the NFL at this time next year. Uh, but you go to the portal, you try to get the Sam Hartman of the year. I mean, the Sam Hartman special, and you know, according to reports, he turned down over a million dollars from other programs to go to Notre Dame where he you know, thought he could win and, and be showcased and everything. Quarterbacks want to win. So I think that um, you're going to have to get a guy that will probably turn down more money, but, but you, can, uh, you, know, you can still lure him in by the opportunity to, to compete for championships, to be in a pro-style system, to be developed by Kirk Campbell and Jim Harbaugh and everything else. So um, it's way down the road, but it's definitely something to consider when you look at these, you know, b- basically Michigan's quarterback depth behind JJ, which hasn't been super impressive so far. Well, before we move into uh, a little more housekeeping here, I just want to talk about the the rest of this roster and and do we see any position battles playing out that you think maybe are still kind of unsettled? We don't quite know what that cornerback depth chart looks like yet with Will Johnson still out, Rod Moore still out at safety. But um, outside of the two groups that we just addressed, I don't have a lot of questions about where it is. Yeah, just the corners is the one that I'm really concerned with and who's going to step up. We know Will Johnson. The, the difference between Will Johnson and everybody else there is is pretty massive too. Uh, although the backups have been played pretty well, it's hard to tell because of the the level of competition. So, But, uh, yeah, I want to see um, who it's going to be. And uh, it'll play out here again. You got a couple. You get another week here where you're going to get a lot of guys some playing time and, and a lot of capable bodies. And it's the good news is that they're getting a lot of guys a lot of time. So uh, you're going to have some safeties back. I mean, Rod Moore, Will Johnson didn't play. Macari Page didn't play last week, and they still dominated. So pretty exciting, really, to think about how much better even that defense is going to be when those guys come back. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically what we're waiting for. It's amazing that the defense was that dominant four yards of play uh, for the game. And that includes the fourth quarter where the backups and really these are the, you know, people want to rail on the backups and I have too. like, we're sitting in the press box. Like, what are we watching here? But these guys are running scout team all week. Um, You know, and these are threes and fours at at some positions at many positions late in the game. So kind of is what it is, but yeah, excited to get the, you know, Will Johnson played eight defensive snaps last week in the second quarter. You know, I assume we'll see him, a little bit more this week as they kind of rev him up. And Rod Moore, same thing. Sounds like Makari Page close as well after playing limited snaps in the first game. So once those guys are back, this defense could be scary um, and and already kind of is. We saw them unveiling some of the, the blitz stuff on Saturday, getting a lot of pressure there even without the blitz. So they can do a lot of things. Again, it's UNLV, but you like what you see so far. 
Absolutely. So uh, with that, all that in mind, uh, we'll see where, where things wrap up and what should be a dress rehearsal game this weekend that we will preview a little more in depth on Thursday. Uh, before we move into the back half of our show, uh, more housekeeping to do, I want to discuss our friends over at Caldera Lab. Gentlemen, first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, people are going to notice, especially as you get older. Fellas, I'm talking to you. Lucky for you, it's not hard. You just don't have the right tools yet. And that's where Caldera Lab comes in. Their products reduce the, ris- the visibility of wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Show your skin who's boss and makes a, make a first great impression with Caldera Lab. Uh, these guys at Caldera Lab have figured out skincare for men, so you don't have to. Simply the best products and ingredients to round up your wellness routine. If you guys seen their ads uh, outside of what we do, check out their website. I keep getting hit uh, on social media. People want to know where this this great skincare routine comes from. Uh, these guys are the best at it, and their products show it. So uh, three products in the Caldera Lab regimen. The clean slate starts and ends your day. The face wash leaves all types of skin refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the good is your multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Uh, No other brand does this better yet. Caldera Lab is the only brand that cares enough to know. Uh, So just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer. This is their best offer available anywhere right now. Use promo code MICH23, that's M-I-C-H-23, at calderalab.com for 20% off right now. 20% off at calderalab.com. Dot com with promo code MISH23. And I'll say it one more time. Get 20% off with the promo code MISH23 at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions. We're all about that here. Uh, we are also sponsored here on our Monday night show by our pals over at Rogue Shop. Head on over to rogueshop.com if you are having trouble sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress. Uh, when you use the promo code the Wolverine, you can get 10% off your order. Rogue Shop sells T- uh, CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, the C scroll of products we read here every week. Uh, it's all over at their website at rogueshop.com. They grow their own cannabis in their own facility. All of their products are made with their own cannabis. The website has a 24 7 chat function where customers can ask anything. They are America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop. So head on over to R-O-G-U-E shop.com. Use promo code the Wolverine and get 10% off your order. Again, that's rogueshop.com. Use promo code the Wolverine. All right, fellas, uh, with two weeks of games in the books, uh, we have enough data, at least at this point, uh, to... Start a few things in terms of what we think this team looks like, what we know about this team, what we don't know about this team yet. Uh, I teased a little bit earlier that in a lot of ways, this game Saturday, a night game at Michigan Stadium, uh, will be a bit of a dress rehearsal with Rutgers coming to town next week. Uh, my question to you is this, uh, and we'll start here. What do what do we know for certain about this team right now on both sides of the ball? Uh, we know that J.J. McCarthy can get, put the ball wherever he wants to when he's got time, and even when he doesn't, when he can step up in the pocket, he is putting it precisely where it needs to be to give his receivers a chance to make plays and yards after the catch. He's been fantastic. So uh, we know that for sure. Uh, obviously, he's going to get more pressure as the season goes on from some better teams. Uh, these are not the standard again. So we know the guys are catching the ball. They're getting open against weaker competition, which is good. 
Now, we haven't seen a ton of drop balls, fellas, which I like. So we know that the receiver blocking hasn't been where it needs to be, and uh, that needs to improve dramatically. And we know that the offensive line blocking hasn't been exactly where it needs to be. That needs to be better. So hopefully that will improve because, again, bigger tests coming up. So um, And the running backs have been a little bit hesitant. Now, they haven't had the holes, but again, uh, and it's not all that on them, but there have been times that there have been yards out there that they would have gotten last year that they aren't this year. And probably part of that is because the line's been inconsistent. You know, they're used to going and just um, not having to look and be as patient as they have been. So that's going to be something that needs to be cleaned up. To me, those are the things that really have stood out and, uh, and some things to work on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's the run blocking the run game in general. And I think it'll come along as we talked about earlier. And then the other thing that we know for a fact they want to do better is they want to create more turnovers. You get one on uh, you know, early on in the game against East Carolina, Mason Graham forces a fumble, but Michigan doesn't get the recovery. And again, it's a bounce of the ball uh, with, you know, when it comes to a fumble recovery like that, but no takeaways in this last game. Uh, they do want to force more fumbles, so that was good by by Mason Graham and a great play, and he obviously was fantastic. I think we we know that the talent level on this defensive line uh, is really, really high, I think higher than a lot of people expected. The way Kenneth Grant has played early on in the season, the way Mason Graham uh, has ascended in his game, you kind of knew what Chris Jenkins was going to be, but he's definitely taken another leap. I think the edge guys played much better this past game. Uh, and then as my mic falls, uh, J.J. McCarthy, too. I mean, you you said it. I mean, I think he's raised his game from very good to great quarterback. I'm not ready to call him elite yet because we got to see it against some better competition, so it's no fault of his. But he has been as good as he could possibly be. And if the run game has to take some time to come around like it like it has, I mean, the offense overall, all the numbers you look at, efficiency-wise, everything, has not taken a step back despite having that. And that's a credit to J.J., the receivers, the pass protection. So we, I think we know a good amount about this team, you know, two weeks in, even though they haven't played anybody because there's so much back and so many guys that we have seen so much play so much football in a winged helmet. Yeah. For me, I think, and I echo all the things you guys said about what we've seen about this team so far. I think really what I'm actually surprised to come out of these first two games is, uh, and I charted this the other day on the website is, this new clock rule isn't really affecting the team or the offense, maybe as much as we thought it was. Now, having four possessions in the half on Saturday was weird, and and it, you know, it felt like that half flew by. They only had five in the first half of last week's game, but uh, the number of pl- offensive plays that they've run these first few weeks, um, 123 snaps on offense in these first two games, are exactly identical. You cannot make this up to the two games last year. They ran 68 plays against Colorado State and 55 in that game against Hawaii, and then obviously 62 against East Carolina and 61 against UNLV. So uh, I think the biggest the biggest difference there so far is that, one, we're not seeing we, – we've talked about the second-team offense, the backup quarterback situation. Uh, 28 points in last year's uh, first two non-conference games scored in the fourth quarter. In this year's non-conference, uh, the backups haven't done anything. They literally have not scored a point. So I think when um, you know people have talked about an underwhelming start to the year, uh, I think it's a little skewed by that. Uh, obviously, Michigan is going on some long drives here too. Not as many explosive plays. I haven't had a special teams touchdown. Haven't had a defensive touchdown to this point. So um, 
to me, more or less kind of on equal footing uh, performance-wise to what we saw last year. So, uh, again, the run game, to me, is not a concern. At some point, those guys are going to shake the rust off. That offensive line is going to hit its groove. And, uh, you know, everything is going to kind of even out. And, you know, hey, if these teams start putting paying a little more attention to Michigan's passing game, then that's where those guys are going to thrive. But, again, if they're going to run for whatever it was, 179 yards while your passing game is still thriving – and that becomes kind of the norm. You just take what a defense gives you there. So, um, yeah, any thoughts on that, fellas? Uh, just that, yeah, the, the running game uh, still needs to improve. 179 yards against UNLV, um, you know, isn't enough. And it's really not the yardage as much as, okay, like he said, the, the non-efficient plays, those need to be cleaned up. So, and, yeah, there just haven't been, you know, maybe part of the reason maybe that the plays are – or, you know, there just haven't been those big long passes. We saw them against you. You know, a couple bombs against Hawaii. Uh, you know, with Roman Wilson taking at the distance. We haven't seen the long running plays. So the drives, I think, have been a little bit longer. But four drives and a half is is insane. So I want more football, not less. I think it is down ar- across college football, which kind of sucks. At least we're getting to see more commercials, fellas. So we got that going for us, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, the clock thing makes no sense. I know we've talked about that, but it's it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I echo what, what you guys said. I mean, it, the numbers are interesting with Michigan. I, I still don't know, but I, I do have a theory about the, the fourth quarter thing. I mean, Ben Herbert gets this huge contract. He's making over a million now. And now, you know, the team in the fourth quarter, what are they getting outscored? 10 nothing. So you might have to look at some complacency seeping into the program, obviously joking, but um yeah i mean maybe some of it has to do with the backups which you kind of throw out anyway like those guys knock on wood aren't gonna have to play it done especially the threes and fours so um interesting to to compare but you know i i don't know how necessarily relevant that's going to be once they get in the bigger games yeah, clayton tells me all the time that uh you know he wants these games to go a little faster so he can see more limu emo or limu emu on the, the commercial broadcast. God, so. I hate those. I hate those commercials, <laughs> right? Oh, God, Brutal. it's terrible. That and the, the Burger King Whopper, 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 Whopper. Yeah. I've, I've already – I just, I close my eyes oh, at I night and I sit up in a cold sweat and I'm like scream yelling this uh, <laughs> this Whopper jingle. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll get more into this game on Saturday – or Saturday's game we'll get more uh, in-depth on with our Thursday podcast. But – I think at this point uh, we'll we'll head on over to questions a little bit early, and I want to get this one out of the way. Um, not not going to go in depth on it or address it, but Nick, since you were kind enough to send in a nine ninety nine super chat about the Michigan State stuff, listen, I, I mean, I, we kind of decided as a staff that that's not a direction we're going to go on the show in terms of discussing that tonight. Um, I think what's out there right now speaks for itself in terms of the USA Today report, the athletic stuff. Um, and I, I mean, if you guys want to chime on it, fine. Uh, I don't have anything to say about it. I think, like I said, it speaks for itself. And I just don't have the appetite for the the rivalry fodder and things like that because it's really just kind of irrelevant here. Yeah, it is. And, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you kind of got to dance around this one, right? And it's just like it's unfortunate. Uh, I don't like to see lives ruined. Uh, you know, I think Mel Tucker's got kids if I'm not mistaken. So for, for them, I feel, yeah, I feel terrible. And uh, I really think more about families in this situation. And uh, it is, it is what it is. I mean, if you're in the news, um, yeah, 
I'm, I'm not going to comment any further on that. I just feel, I just feel bad for them. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Without the, the facts or being there at part of the culture, I can't really speak to the culture, but there have been numerous, numerous things that have come out over the last several years, obviously going back decades there. So uh, there's obviously some sort of issue and um, you know, I, we'll see how they handle it, but you hope it's not the, the old MSU, the way they handle this. Yep. So Nick, I appreciate the super chat. Thank you uh, for the nine ninety nine, uh, and thanks for listening to the show, but it's a Michigan football podcast and, and we don't, it's not, we're just not going there. So uh, I am going to go to this one from I'm night. I'm not quite sure, sir, is the username here uh, to switch gears. How do we go from second string uh, to start offensive line to having a hole at right tackle? I think it's premature to say that. Uh, I think Miles Hinton clearly has to improve. Trente Jones played okay over there last time, you know, last year at times. So, uh, and I think Hinton certainly has the ability. So I wouldn't call it a hold yet. I would say it's been disappointing. And I want to watch the film, and I will do that tonight and kind of break down where things are with that. But um, it's a fair question. You know, I think a lot of it is preseason hyperbole when you say, look, man, we got 10 guys that can be starters uh, because the, you got a bunch of guys competing that are that are pretty good linemen. So um, but I do think that's a fair question. And I do think that they aren't quite as deep as we thought they were. I think G.O.L. Hottie is a very, very good lineman, for example. Uh, but after that, I think there is some drop off. I think Trente Jones and Miles Hinton are, are pretty close, um, without a doubt. So maybe you get seven instead of 10, but, um, I think that's a fair observation. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, we've talked about it a lot where Jim Harbaugh says things, you know, especially in the off season. I mean, he, he wants to, you know, kind of breed that competition going into camp and everything else. So, uh, I don't think. You know, at least I didn't believe that they had 10 guys that were starting caliber. I think Gio Alhadi is for sure starting caliber. I mean, if Zach Zinter or Trevor Keegan go to the NFL, he's in there and he's starting, and I think he's doing a pretty good job. Uh, I watched the game again, really honed in on the offensive line. You know, Miles Hinton, like like I said earlier, was better, uh, but there were still, you know, a few mistakes. The big one being uh, the play that I mentioned earlier where he kind of got chucked on an outside zone play, Blake Corum, you know, there was room otherwise for him to run there. So stuff's got to get cleaned up. I mean, you can't have those non-efficient run plays as Jim Harbaugh described them. If you're going to have an offense that, that kind of builds some rhythm and is able to sustain drives and then the fourth and two as well, probably on the offensive line, not picking that up. And that's something that Michigan prides itself on picking up. So they've got to be better. And that's the starting O-line, uh, you know. And so I guess the question is kind of how come some of these other guys aren't able to take the jobs? Well, I guess the answer is, you know, I didn't necessarily buy that that hype uh, other than maybe Trente Jones, who I think could could use a look. And we'll see if he does, if Miles Hinton continues to have some struggles here and there. Where'd Rahami Anderson go, guys? I mean, here's a guy who was right there in the mix in the spring and he just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. That was a kid that I thought played well against Rutgers. So it's interesting. Some guys step up and some guys don't. So he's one I definitely want to ask about. And I should have asked Sharon more about it today. We'll try to get him again here later down the road. And I won't say that, you know, just a quick last thought on that. Like they don't have a hole at right tackle. They have, they have a boulder at right tackle. They just need to get it moving downhill a little bit faster, (laughs) you know, in order to be what, his mass would suggest that he can and should be so, and I think will be, I think he's still kind of figuring things, uh, figuring some things out. So uh, Mike H wants to know what's going on with Zeke Barry. If I remember correctly, I believe he was hurt on a special team snap early in the game. Uh, 
I don't have any info on him right now, but uh, we didn't see him the rest of Saturday's game, but uh, I guess we'll see what happens this weekend. Yeah, and I think that's it, and I think he'll be okay. And uh, it's just one of those things, guys get banged up. So hopefully he's going to be fine. Yeah, I think it was open another kickoff. Quick... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was early on. So uh, another injury one here from account 22. And uh, wants to know, Alex Orgy injured. And I, I think we can park here for a second because, you know, for all the talk there's been about getting him reps at quarterback and maybe him being this jumbo kick returner or being a gadget player. He hasn't played a single snap these first two weeks. So is there any intel on what's going on there? I mean, I haven't heard anything on it, but uh, really weird after kind of the buzz on him in, in fall camp to just not see him yet. I haven't seen him on any injured lists, have you, of uh, that Michigan releases? Right. So just one of those things. So we'll try to get some buzz on him uh, and the – in the week here leading up to the game, but Jim Harbaugh made it pretty clear that he wants to see him on Saturday. So hopefully we will, but you know, everybody clamoring for him, you know, there's a reason he's third, fourth string guy, right? Um, if he were better than that, then he would have been playing. He would have been the second guy in, in the, in the first game there at quarterback. So he still has some work to do. Yeah. Point. I don't. Yeah. I think that's what I was going to say is I don't think he's injured. I think he's just the third or fourth string quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you don't always see that guy. And again, it kind of goes back to with the 10 starting offensive linemen, how we didn't buy that. I mean, we we joked about how the Dan Valari thing and being the next Taysom Hill. I mean, it's it's Jim Harbaugh in the offseason. Sometimes he's going to talk about that. And, and Jay Harbaugh said last week, though, that they do want to see him back there at kick returner at some point. So it wouldn't shock me if it if it goes in that direction. But, you know, talk is one thing. Experiments and practice are one thing. And, and games are an entirely different thing. I think that's all that needs to be said about that. Uh, I'm going to take this next one from the message board. Uh, this one is from the fort and our pal M Golu who asks, do you think Carmelo English or Samaj Morgan will end the year as being the kick or punt returner? And I would also add, uh, I'll add the third name in there. Saw Tyler Morris do a little bit of it on Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So thoughts on where things stand there. I think Roman Wilson has a better chance of returning kicks and I do think Tyler Morris has a good opportunity here. Uh, Jake Thaw, again, had a nice return, uh, and it's not his fault. Those kicks, I went back and watched those punts, guys. He could have run a full sprint and, you know, had to slide to catch some of those balls that hit in front of him. So not going to blame him for that. I just think Tyler Morris is more dynamic back there, more explosive, and showed some things on that 24-yard return that called back, that got called back. I had him as my breakout offensive player of the year. I would love to see him there uh, to help prove me right as well. Tyler Morris has got to be the guy, I think, at, at punt returner. Like you said, I mean, the jump cut he made on, on the return that gets called back, and then he actually got an extra rep, which was kind of a blessing too. And I thought he got everything he could out of about, you know, a five-ish yard return. And then Jake Thaw did have a 19-yard return. He was kind of stumbling the whole time, and uh, you don't want to stumble. That's where you can, can fumble too if you take a hit. So, um, you know, I, I think he got what was there too. But in terms of explosiveness, I think Tyler Morris is is the guy at some point. And, I think we talked about it last week, but two years ago, they trusted Caden Colzar back there until somebody else, A.J. Henning, could step up and prove that he could consistently catch the football. So, um, you know, it's probably a work in progress there. But, yeah, I mean, Jay Harbaugh said last week, too, that he, he wants Roman Wilson eventually to return kicks. So um, could see that again. He was, he was their primary kick returner last year until uh, he got hurt in the, uh, in the Iowa game, and, and we saw him back there at other times as well. So I think he's probably the best guy. All right. Uh, last call for questions. I've got three in the queue here. So uh, 
we can cover those and maybe a few more that come in. So for those watching live, just want to get those in there. Uh, this one's from DTWA Sports Talk, who says, why keep recruiting QBs if you're just going to get the starter from the portal? Where is the development? As uh, if you're watching live, Chris Ballas just um, yeeted we his lose way one? out of here. I don't know. I thought you were, you know, Clayton was texting me behind the scenes asking if he's choppy and his internet's weird during the show. We lose Chris. So I don't know what the <laughs> hell's going on. It's been a weird night so far. I'm guessing he'll pop back in here in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with this one though. Um, DTWA sports talk. Why keep recruiting QBs? If you're just going to get the starter from the portal, where's the development? Uh, well, I mean, the quarterback you have starting right now is a sign of the development. He's a junior. And I mean, if, uh, you can't you can't really hold it against Michigan for developing him too well if he decides to come out after this year. Um, he will have earned that right. They took two quarterbacks last year uh, in Jaden Denegal and Alex Orgy, and they've made it clear that they want to see what they have in those guys in game action on Saturday. And 2023 uh, didn't quite go as planned. You took you took Ronnie Bell's brother, thinking you know giving him crack there. It looks like he's going to play wide receiver instead. So really, right now, I mean. Um, they are recruiting quarterbacks. They've got a pretty good one committed in next year's class in Jaden Davis. It's just, to me, the reason that we have that conversation of transfer portal or not for those types of guys is, you know, unless you are, a, and I'll invoke his name here, unless you're a Bryce Underwood or you see it this year with the Dante Moore, who's the guy that Michigan missed out on, unless you're kind of just cut from that different cloth, uh, J.J. McCarthy's as talented a quarterback as Michigan's maybe ever had. And he didn't even play, wasn't quite ready there, ready to start his freshman year. So unless you're kind of a unicorn, it's tough to just say, oh, well, Jaden Davis is balling out uh, at Providence Day right now. Like, so he should just, you know, he's your guy into next year. I don't know that that's something you should bank on. Yeah, it has everything to do with timing and nothing to do with recruiting quarterbacks or some overall philosophy that you need to change, only go portal or only go recruiting your own guys. I think they are developing guys, um, including J.J. McCarthy, who they've done a hell of a job with, in my opinion. But yeah, I don't think it has to be one philosophy or the other. I think the timing is the big thing here with us predicting that they're going to go to the portal next offseason, because if J.J. leaves, then you have a freshman quarterback coming in and, and some guys that haven't proven a ton behind J.J. right now that, that'll still be here. So it's, it's more timing than anything. They're not going to do one thing every year. Uh, you know, the same thing over and over. It's just going to be, you know, how you piece together your roster. And that has clearly changed in college football in recent years. And I think Michigan's done a better and better job each season of adjusting and kind of filling those holes and using the portal when they need to. Uh, we do have co correspondence from Chris Ballas here who says uh, his yes. laptop battery died. So um, we'll see if he comes back. If not, we will just uh, we'll ride it out here as – the, There's the a new invention. It's called a charger. <laughs> you know, it's ha it's happened to the best of us. Uh, again, just one of those type of nights here. Uh, we'll go uh, account 22 with another comment says Keon Saab might pass up Makari page. Uh, I, we haven't seen a ton of Makari page, so I don't know that we've seen enough for a guy like that to be Wally pipped, but Keon Saab played pretty well. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I was disappointed with the secondary in the in the last game. Really, the reserves and some tackling stuff. Quentin Johnson, I thought, had a had a rough game with three missed tackles. But Keon Saab has been really good, and I thought, especially in the first game, I would not predict that he passes up Makari Page. But it's not the craziest thought. I mean, things like that 
can happen. I mean, Makari Page did that last year to RJ Moten. So that's going to be something where I think Keon Sab has proven enough, at least to this point, and he'll have to continue to prove it going forward, but proven enough that he is, you know, good enough to be out there. So I think we're going to see him get some of those snaps. And Clink talked about it in the spring. I think he's talked about it this fall too. They want to keep those guys fresh this year. They want to play in their best football at the end of the year and not as nicked up as they were last year, not just in the back end, but throughout the entire roster. So I think we're going to see a little bit of a rotation and maybe he gets some, some snaps and some big time moments. I want to take some time on this next one. Cause it came from Nick who, I mean, if the chat is any indication is the same Nick who sent us the nine ninety nine super chat. So I want to make sure our pal gets his money's worth here. Uh, is Kenneth Grant's role expanding faster than expected? His ascension as an impact player and potential staple seems like it's really picking up now. Listen, I mean, uh, I made this comparison on the live show, um, and I'm still workshopping it, but his skill set is, you know, when you're 6'3", 335, and you move the way that he does, I think you're inherently going to play yourself into a role as kind of, you know, you're just a bit of a unicorn, um, by virtue of it. It's similar to remember early on when Musa Diabate was at Michigan, like he just made plays just on sheer instinct and athleticism and intangibles. And I'm not, I think that Kenneth relative to their positions and in their sport, I think Kenneth Grant's going to be a much better player with a, a bright pro future as well. But it takes time for those guys to develop. Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton really didn't come on until their junior years. Uh, you know, other guys, it, it just takes a while to, to learn the, the technicalities, the intricacies of playing defensive line. And the fact that Michigan not, has, not only has one, but two sophomore defensive tackles that are look to be pretty advanced in their development right now. Um, it, stuff like that lends gives me reason to believe that at least defensively for next season, uh, even for this season, the, the those guys are going to be impact guys. And, and it makes me think, you know, on a 2024 Michigan team, that there might not be much drop off from losing the guys that they're projected to lose. Yeah, it's it's significant what those guys have done. Think of Mozzie Smith. You know, he didn't really break out until his junior season. Obviously, had to work through a lot in terms of conditioning and getting in shape. But Kenneth Grant did too. He lost about twenty pounds, and he looks fantastic. I mean, he looks like a Georgia or SEC type defensive tackle, and that's kind of what you need if you're going to compete at that level against those types of teams at the end of the year. So he has looked. Great. Um, I know we talked about him earlier. And then Mason Graham, too, I thought had a fantastic game in there, especially against the run. Mentioned his forced fumble earlier, but he's been really good. So those those two sophomores there and Chris Jenkins and, you know, Cam Good has looked good. Um, no pun intended. He did miss <laughs> on a – he whiffed on a, a sack there in the last game. But I thought he is – he's kind of raised his game where it feels like he's serviceable now and, and some other guys that are depth pieces there. So – Man, I, I like this defensive line, and Kenneth Grant is definitely a guy whose role is expanding faster than expected. I think I wrote this before the season, but he's a guy that if he proves himself and actually arrives as the type of guy that he looks like he has been the last two weeks, again, got to see it against better competition. But if that happens, he's going to be too good to keep off the field, and that's already proven to hap- to be the case right now for Michigan. We'll see how it goes as the season goes on. You kind of pare down that rotation. You play better teams, but – he has been damn good. And when we have that conversation too about, you know, setting the bar of, you know, how do you get to a place where a program like Georgia is right now? You got to have those Georgia level freaks. And to me, you know, I mean, if things break right, he's a Jordan Davis type of player. Then you have Chris Jenkins, you have 
some explosive guys at the edges. The linebacker room is probably as athletic as it's ever been at Michigan. And then obviously we know about the pieces in the secondary too. So, you know, defensively, I I think this defense will travel. I think that the defense we've seen in non-conference play, we'll see in Big Ten play. It's going to go with them to Nebraska. It's going to go with them to Minnesota. I think they'll hold up pretty well in a game that should probably be a bar fight at Penn State. And again, knowing what we know about Ohio State, I feel pretty good about that too. So, Again, uh, as Nick says, it's just going to be tough to keep Grant off the field this year. I mean, yeah. I agree. I, I think you can make the you can make the argument already that he has been Michigan's most consistent and disruptive defensive lineman, and that's he's going to start getting those doubles, and we'll see how he reacts to it. But it's going to open things up for other guys because you can only give so much attention to a Chris Jenkins and to a a Kenneth Grant if they're on the field at the same time. So, uh, and same thing with Mason Graham as well. So, uh, Nick, thank you so much for. Everything tonight, your your generous donation, your your great questions. We appreciate you. Uh, I think we're going to take uh, this quick one from Nuber asks, where's Ladarius Henderson? I thought he was a guaranteed starter. Uh, if you go back to earlier in the show, we did kind of address that. I, I think there's a chance that um, as Michigan const, you know, consistently, you know, that's the other thing Sharon Moore said, the depth chart is fluid. They're always going to be looking for their best five on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, it, just because if he doesn't come out of non-conference play as a starter, I don't think that it means he's not going to contribute. We've seen injuries and stuff before. So do you have anything else to add on that, Clay? No, I mean, we said it earlier. I mean, he was going to have to come in and earn a job. And this is a guy that's played guard most of his career, shifting over to tackle, competing against Carson Barnhart, who is a fierce competitor and who's played a lot of football here and who's best friends with Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter and wants to start on the line next to those guys. And so you, you give Carson Barnhart credit first and foremost. And then beyond that, I think, like you said, I mean, we may have, you know, they may have to go to him at some point this season. So no, Ladarius Henderson's here. He's going to get some snaps late in the game this weekend. And, you know, we'll see how he continues to progress. Cause it, again, they may need him. All right. And we'll take this last one here from Courtney Harper, who's asks, is Cole Cabana injured and Darius Clemens? Uh, both, I believe, have been on the pregame avail- availability report. Uh, working, you know, we, we know both were working through things, both in spring ball, fall camp, uh, their own respective things. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think Clem- Clemens will be in the mix, you know, as, as wide receiver four and beyond. We've seen really more of the freshmen so far. Both those guys banged up. I don't know that anything is is necessarily a huge concern. Uh, Cabana, we'll see. I kind of feel like this first three weeks is going to be the window where we would have seen him if healthy. So we'll see what happens later on in the year. Um, but certainly looks like you know maybe he's headed for a red shirt. We, again, it just depends. Running back, there's a lot of you know, variance and injuries and stuff at that position. But um, any thoughts on roles for either of these guys? I mean, I, I kind of feel like it's it's kind of an uphill battle for both of them right now. I think Darius Clemens will be right in the mix when he's healthy. Yeah, he's banged up. Uh, we had heard he was on a pitch count in the first game, and then we didn't see him in the second game. Maybe the same type of thing as Makari Page, where it's like, okay, we got you a little bit of work. Let's rest you, and then we'll see week three. So, And then Will Johnson was kind of on their, the opposite plan, where it's like, we'll rest you game one, get you a, a little bit of run in game two, and then go from there. So I think we'll, we'll know more this weekend about who's actually close to being 100% and who's not, but I think Darius Clemens is going to be in that mix, and then I think Cole Cabana might have dressed. Not exactly sure, um, but yeah, probably something minor with him. Not not totally certain on him, but 
like you said, I mean, these were the games that he was going to get in and then maybe prove himself to earn burning his red shirt and having a role. So it's going to be it's going to be an uphill climb, I think, for him more so than than Darius Clemens. Clayton, I think that's a good place to to let things be for now. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you to everyone who jumped on the show tonight. The shout out to Chris Ballas, wherever he may be. Hopefully, he's able to get a little juice in that laptop because. We're always working. We always got stuff going on. But uh, shout out to Chris. Shout out to Clayton. Shout out to producer Megan behind the scenes. Be sure to like and subscribe. Head on over to thewolverine.com. You can get a dollar for your first month's access as a new subscriber or an annual subscription for 25% off. So be sure to head on over there and check that out. Uh, A lot of stuff will come out of this week. uh, Non-conference finale. Uh, We will be back with you on Thursday afternoon, uh, the three of us, uh, well, two of, I could speak for the two of us here now. I uh, assume that Chris's laptop will be charged by then. So uh, all three of us back for the Thursday preview. Uh, guys, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the great questions. Great discussion. And we will talk to you again soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.